heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland Today, Monday morning, the 22nd of August. Jesus, year's getting away on us. A very good morning to everybody in Kingaroy, just recovering from Bacon Fest. 20,000 people there. It was national coverage and, and look, it looked like a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. We're going to actually uh, talk with Georgie Somerset, who was there a little later. 4ZR, Yumamara and Drap was on up in Roma. I hope that went well. Added 4VL in Charleville. Good morning. 4HI in Emerald. 4LM Mount Isa. They've still got the hangover from the radio. To Longreach in 4LG. Good morning. 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. If you're a Broncos fan, you're crying in your weak beaks and you're concerned, though, were beaten soundly and the bottom line is they have to win in the next two weeks. They play on Thursday night against Parramatta. We'll look at that a bit later in the week. The Lions in the AFL, they were absolutely dispatched and uh, so much going on around the world. The women's Broncos team beaten easily by Newcastle as well. That's in the NRLW. That kicked off on the weekend as well. So much to get through. Uh, We're going to talk with Georgie Somerset, as I said a little earlier. We'll also talk with Anne Lay and Tony Coonan. Anne Lay, the member for Warrego, she's got some concerning worry about this Labor government. Tony Coonan from the Western Clydesdale Rugby League side, they're building for the Host Plus Cup next year. So much to get through on this busy, Monday. A very good morning. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. Tony Kernan is the Western Clydesdale chairman and they have appointed their coaches for all pathway teams ahead of their watershed 2023 season. It is a very important time for rugby league uh, on the Darling Downs and beyond with finally um, the Western Clydesdales coming back and their big appointment um, obviously coming back into the Host Plus Cup later in the year. Tony, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. How you going, Dobbo? All right. Now, Jason Olshan was appointed the Host Plus yeah. Cup head coach in June for the Clydesdales return, uh, which we, we think is huge. But it's now you've appointed a Pathways program, and it's very exciting from your Colts under-21s down to your 16s. You've got a, you've got a full squad now, and – you can now start to build. It, it, it's not going to happen overnight, but it certainly will start, and this gives everybody in Queensland an opportunity that they can play regionally and play, obviously, with some confidence in, in the best state league comp in Australia. Yeah, that's it, mate. And, look, we were so passionate about young people uh, coming through and young people staying in their region and achieving really high standards within their region, even if they're out Roma, Charleville, those sort of places. Uh, we've got uh, academies going on out there and that they only move when they've got a genuine offer. So they move into town when when uh, things are going really, really well for them or uh, they leave from Toowoomba when they've got a genuine NRL offer, not before that happens. And that's what's been happening for way too many years. Kids have been leaving. Uh, they've been going elsewhere and they just sort of flounder. And look, obviously, there hasn't been a pathway for them in Toowoomba, so not every, not every kid gets through the – you know, some fall through the cracks, you know, and some yep. of the good kids. This is pretty exciting. Your Western Clydesdale coaching appointments for 2023 are, are very well known. Obviously, you know, Gus McKellar coaching the Colts under 21. He's had NRL experience and very, very respected coach. Uh, the women's under 19, Russell Jones. The 18, Mal Meninga, uh, Paul Bose, is that right? 
Um, yeah, that's right, and, mate. And the 16th uh, in the Cyril Connell will be uh, Ned Murphy. So, obviously, Justin McKellar, huge acquisition to rugby league on the Darling Downs. Um, like he played at the Storm. He's had coaching success um, with the Roosters um, in Toowoomba and now at the Highfield Eagles. So that's a, a huge, huge win. Yeah, and what we're excited about is Gus very well, well respected as a coach, universally respected, and he attracts players. And that's uh, something that we really need now, that uh, guys want to have that opportunity. There's a lot of under-21s that play in our competition. And over the years, we've fallen a little bit short with numbers. But Gus is one of those guys where uh, young fellas want to play for him. He's got that sort of way about him. And, and he knows rugby league. So, and he's local. That's really good. And having Justin around him, we know that we've had to bring in people like Justin and Paul Bowes, who's in, in the uh, Canterbury system. So they're there to show that this is the level that you've got to be at as a coach. It's not that they're not good enough. It's just that they've got to get familiar with that level. And, and, and Paul and Jason are to bring all our local blokes who have got the talent up to the level that's needed. Can I ask you from a um, from a club perspective? This year, it, it, it's been a hard year yeah. um, with with coming in, just with player numbers. And and look, there's been some blokes from other clubs that have really been helpful, or have made it, you know, made it, tried to make it easier, tried to give you some players. But next year, you guys are you, you, you're batting alone. How do you get your depth right in your first season, or is that going to just take time? And we shouldn't expect results at the top of the end, top end of the comps to, to start off with. I was told right from the start when I got really heavily involved in, I've been in the Clydesdale thing for a long time, but I've got more heavily involved, obviously, as chairman. And they said, you know, it's going to take a number of years to yeah. get that that strength and the depth that's actually required. And yeah. that comes from academies. So, you know, with yeah. these established clubs, they're starting with kids 14, 15, 16 with sure. these academies, and they just get the idea of the whole thing. We've started that now, and it is going to take time. But I think just purely and simply because we have got a complete pathway now, that automatically helps our depth. Like, guys are keen to play. Uh, previously, they just go, oh, why would I play for the, for the Clydesdales? You know, I, I'd be better off just hanging around my club, uh, playing A-grade football. It's a good standard. It's good competition here. Uh, and I'm getting a little bit of dough. Now, the fact that they go, no, you, you, you've got to be part of this system if you do want to play host cup, plus cup, you know, and there's every footballer's dream is to to play at a better level than what they're currently playing at, yep. you know. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a sporting challenge, isn't it? So, yeah, we're pretty keen that we're going to, uh, pretty sure that we're going to have those numbers straight off the bat, you know, and... Yeah, it's interesting to hear that talk going on at the moment. And as we all know, it's not going to happen overnight. It is going to help club football too to have this sort of experience around the place. So how will you go, like how will the other clubs handle it? That's the big thing. I mean, and we all know there's stronger clubs in Toowoomba. I'm just asking you, yeah. like, you know, and, and, and that some pay players for wins and, and, and how – so. How do you guys counteract the old traditional clubs in Toowoomba or, or have you got to get them on board to use them as a feeder base into this and, and then obviously a pathway? Yeah. Like I love footy. I'm not involved. 
uh, in this sort of project unless we're going to make Toowoomba Rugby League better. Yeah, you know, uh, and there's not much point doing something like this, and you just drag down your local comp. So you know, I think clubs are more positive about it at the present moment, and they can see that we're going to having a pathway here is going to help them drag more players to our town and also keep our younger people here based in town. So hopefully that's going to make them more and more positive. Obviously, there's always going to be that challenge of, you know, when we uh, attract players to our region, how do we distribute it around our competition? Like our competition goes over two and a half hours out to, out to Gundawindi, you know. Uh, that's, we're going to have to really nut that out as a, as a board of how we distribute players, you know, clubs are going to buy really good players and all of a sudden the Clydesdales are going to give them an offer, you know. Uh, that's always challenging in rugby league, isn't it? 100%. So, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we, we just want to pump a lot into uh, player development and coaching development so that the clubs themselves improve, you know, and it's all about that sort of support. Yeah, no dramas. Oh, look, the, the big thing about it is that, 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 that there's a pathway now. Um, yeah. and that Toowoomba Rugby League is on the improve. Not that it was going backwards, but that you'll be able to mix it. And obviously you, you're waiting a little bit as well with what goes on from the Rugby League. But the Canterbury connection, yeah. they're obviously very, very – it's an important one that they are right on board with you guys, that Canterbury are 100% on board and they are obviously helping you behind the scenes. They're not going to send you uh, first-grade players, but they will obviously yeah. keep kids there for the year – they obviously are yes. involved in, in in a lot of decision-making, which is what's going on. Oh, yeah. They've been fantastic. Couldn't be happier with Canterbury. They the, the affiliation officially starts next year, but they've pumped in money this year already into the Bulldogs Academies. They've gone out west. It's been really uh, well accepted out west. So... Yeah, it's great. And like you said, it's not about fly-in, fly-out footballers. If they're keen, they've got to relocate to Toowoomba. So there's a lot of blokes out there. They get a little bit lost in the city. And I know Toowoomba's a city, but it's still got a good country feel about it. Um, We hope that it's really supportive here. We've got the right people to support these blokes. And these kids, they get into Sydney and Brisbane and places like that. They just... They just flounder, especially a lot of uh, young Indigenous kids too. Sure. Uh, yeah. Mate, um, I didn't meant to mention much earlier that we've got another great assistant coach in Ethan Lowe who's going to help us out oh, next Oh, that's year huge. Too. Well, he's a premiership player. He, he, he's yeah. been from Gundawindi, so that's a huge, huge acquisition for you guys. Appreciate yeah. your time, Tony. Great news. Um, yeah. naming, all Thanks, these, so, naming all these coaches and, and look, we'll keep a, mm. a real – Real close um, contact with you because I know there's a lot of people. So pre-season will start and then November 1, yeah. you're into it. And so obviously Absolutely, preparing mate. for next year. Thanks so much for being yeah. with us. We really appreciate your time. Thanks, Tyler. Good on Cheers, you. Mate. Rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Member for Warragow, Ann Lay, joins us this morning. Happy Monday, Ann. Good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Good morning, Ben, and look great to be talking with you this morning. There's obviously secret legislation to cut livestock and shut down resources. Now, every farmer should be aware of this. There's been a plan by the Labor government to change the environmental legislation and also have a real impact on resource industry businesses. Nothing surprises me, but I, I was unaware of this. Talk me through it. 
Okay, look, this has come about. We've discovered that there is a secret plan to change environmental legislation. Uh, That is being driven by an employee in the Environment Department who is a well-known Wilderness Society um, anti-mining activist. Now, what we understand is that all of the industry groups, for instance, AgForce, those who are in the mining industry, have been signed up to a secret confidentiality deed um, to view draft legislation by the Queensland Environment Department. Now, this is unprecedented. We have never seen in Queensland uh, a situation where proposed legislation is actually consulted in secret. The very people who live in rural and regional Queensland, the the people who go to jobs in in the gas industry, in the mining industry and out there on farms are the people who are impacted are unaware of this and being left out of the consultation. So you're suggesting that AgForce have signed a confidentiality agreement to view a potential and unprecedented deed of a secret legislation by the Queensland Environment Department. That's right. We understand that all of these industry groups, including AgForce, have been told that if they wanted to see this legislation, this draft secret plan, they had to sign the confidentiality agreement to actually view that legislation. Now, I know plenty of AgForce members, and that is a really difficult position to put all of those industry groups in, and it is unprecedented. Well, if they don't sign it, if they don't sign it, Anne, then, if they don't sign it, and it then goes they through, don't they don't see it. So if they do that's see right. it, have they got any chance of trying to change it? That's the big question you've got to ask. Well, that's the issue, and we haven't seen it. Nobody in the parliament's actually seen it, uh, but it certainly does concern us that it's driven by a, a wilderness society activist so, I in mean, the Department of Environment. This continually is going on, and it's concerning that Anastasia Palaszczuk has taken her hands off the steering wheel. We've got now proposed legislation, which is a huge threat to agriculture and the mining industries. Only as of this morning, literally this morning, I wake up and the front page of the Courier-Mail talks about the amount of money that the royalties and that, that has been given in – it was quite unbelievable. The state rakes in $1.2 billion coal royalties 24 times faster than claimed. So what was supposed to take four years has instead taken two months with the state government wallowing in coal royalties. Now, this is off the back of the government changing the tax. Two months it took them, what they were forecasting were four years. Now, they've been, they've been absolutely, right, absolutely uh, taking everything they can. Now, Queensland Resource Council Chief Executive Ian McFarlane said $800 million had been made up in just six weeks. Now, that is just ridiculous. Where is that money going? They're not going to try and stop that, but yet they allow somebody, an employee, as you say, right, from the environmental department to try and put legislation together. Then the state government hold a secret plan that would force farmers to cut numbers of livestock of their own. That's what we've been hearing the last couple of weeks. They look at your property and then they deem what the stocking rate should be. And that's the really concerning thing about this because it's secret, those people, who are most impacted in rural and regional Queensland, who do the heavy lifting, as does the resources industry, to create the productivity for this state, don't have any view or any opportunity to even see what this draft legislation is because it's signed up with confidentiality agreements. And Ben, look, I have to agree with you. Uh, We're seeing millions and millions of dollars roll in from the resources sector 
but we still have a housing crisis. I have people living in tents and cars. Is this uh, in the Maranoa, in the Warrego, sorry? You've got, you've got people living in your electorate who can't even get a house at the moment. Can't even get a house. Yeah. Um, approved on the social housing list for the last two years and can't get any housing. And, you know, we lobby the government for housing and the best that the government can say they should do is, you know, stay there for a month after their lease. Uh, yeah. expires squat. because, you know, they yeah. should squat. Well, that's that's wrong. Horrific. You know, and that's the other thing. We have a health crisis. We have a lack of doctors in small communities like, you know, Quilpie and Surratt and Mungandai and Durambandi. We can't get doctors. So where is this money going? We know it's getting wasted on things like, you know, WellCamp, $237 million. Oh, my God. Yeah. And yeah. we had identified another $3 billion worth of waste during estimates. So... But this is the concerning part about it. The people um, who will be affected by this draft environmental legislation, the very people out there right across from the tip of Cape York to Kunnamulla, they don't know what's in this. We don't know what's in it. And we don't know you know, how much it will impact them. We know that there, there is some information coming through. It will force farmers to cut their livestock numbers. Um, it will dictate to people how, what they can do with their land. Well, the government should be upfront. The government should actually come out and tell us exactly what's there. The reason why it's secret is because the government is so concerned about the backlash from the people that it impacts the most. So why are they bowing to the – when they've got majority, why are they bowing so quickly to to these – these these minority groups. That's what I don't understand. We we know what agriculture and what mining bring. Without them, the government are absolutely screwed. There's no two ways about it. So why try their hardest to manage something that they absolutely need? It makes no sense. It doesn't make sense at all. And the only thing you can think of is that it's we're back to you know vegetation management laws where it's a deal with the preference deal with the Greens to to stay in government. Now, who knows what they've done, you know, state and federally, um, after we've seen that the um, the Teals in the southern states and then the Greens in inner city Brisbane. Yeah, it's quite interesting wh- wh- where that's going. Um, this is concerning. Obviously, we're going to do some more homework on this and have a look. But uh, Anne Lay, obviously, the member for Warragate, your proud electorate, uh, it makes absolutely no sense. Secret meetings um, is placing major investments at risk. And that's a concern for everybody. Appreciate your time this morning. We'll look into it a bit more. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Ben. Good on you. Anne Lane, member for Warrego. We're going to take a break, come back with more. And like that, what she said, you know, housing crisis, health crisis, very real, yet now they're trying to do secret legislation. Very, very concerning. We're going to take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. On Rural Queensland Today, across the Resonate Broadcast Network, there is a phenomenal bull sale taking place at Roma Sayards on the 14th of September. Glen Lee will celebrate 49 years of breeding Charolais cattle in 2022. Uh, this is one of the premier studs, and the Glen Lee uh, stud will obviously show and offer 75 bulls, uh, which, y- you know, in this day and age, that's the pick. Rod Binney from Glen Lee Beef joins us this morning. Rod, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Yes, good morning. How are you going? Really well. Uh, 75 bulls on offer. Parent verified, well, that, extensive data, fully guaranteed, it, it's ready to roll. Uh, yes, yes, it is. We've actually catalogued 80 bulls, right. and uh, we've got some, a couple of extras there. 
to uh, so we, we can offer as many as possible. The bulls are looking terrific. Um, uh, yeah, fully performance recorded. Many of them are PP polled. Yeah, right. um, good stout uh, bulls uh, ready to go out to work. And of course, we we uh, we've been selling in uh, Maranao for a number of years uh, on a smaller scale. But uh, last year we purchased the uh, Fairfield Charolais herd from Lindsay and Belinda Hindle that were based in Roma for many years and uh, just south of Roma at uh, the property Fairfield. And uh, that's allowed us to um, increase our numbers. And uh, so the sale is a Glenlee Fairfield bull sale, actually. Yeah, right. Well, that's huge. Um, that, that, that is huge um, that, 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 that you're going to be there. How many – How many? what would you like people when they walk into the yard to say about your cattle? What, what's the best – what's the best – Take on it. Oh, well, I think you know. Hopefully, people uh, can recognise the presentation of the of the bulls will be uh, spot on, and uh, the type is uh, is right for the times. We do have a variation in our type to suit different uh, cow herds, environments, and uh, of course uh, markets. Some of the bulls are, uh, are very early, are very early maturing bulls, really suiting that winter to heavy feeder market. Other bulls are more medium maturity, suiting uh, the bullock market. So we have that natural variation, but uh, in the in the in the herd because now we're we're running a, a program now with uh, a thousand cows, thousand purebred Charolais cows, yeah, and with the addition of the Fairfield herd, which was which was around four hundred head, um, so that allows us uh, to uh, you know to have a a, a lot of depth, and uh, we grow we're, we're a growing business and seeking new clients. Uh, all, all in our, all the selling hours we do because this year we've we've already had a sale at Winton, uh back in July, which was went which went very well and serviced our clients in that in that further northern end of our range and uh, we've got uh, Roma on the 14th of September and then we've got our our, our Claremont sale on the 14th of October uh, with with another 40 bulls. Yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, we're putting a we're presenting a lot of bulls uh, at auction and a lot of those. Those three sales are really timed to coordinate with the with the with the age of the bulls. We've got uh, our, our lead late winter, early spring bulls, uh, and and a lovely lineup uh, that we're very very happy with uh, of yearling bulls that, with the Fairfield brand coming into Roma, and then our our sort of uh, 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 summer born bulls, our late spring summer born bulls will be offered at uh, at Claremont a month later. Well, I think this is a, a, a phenomenal uh, story. So how do people get in contact with you? Who are the agents and, and, and how do people get in contact for a catalogue or have well, a discussion? We've got, well, uh, we've talked to elders at Roma um, uh, and Watkins and Co., Ben Nevin and uh, Charlie uh, uh, Charlie Gleeson. And, uh, and also this year we've got uh, Ray White, Roma involved as well, so the Ray White boys can be contacted. Um, a simple way to get to be able to download the catalogue is just to go to www.glenleebeef.com.au yep. uh, and uh, you can be able to, the catalogue will be loaded there hopefully uh, by tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, well, it'll be, it'll be loaded, yeah, it'll be loaded very, it'll be loaded by the time people are looking at it. And um, that's, those really are. So Elders, uh, Watkins and Co and uh, Ray White are the agents. Um, go to glenleebeef.com. .au uh, to download a catalogue. Uh, it's still pretty simple these days. 
Yeah, you're dead right. Um, it, it very is. And obviously 75 Bulls on the 14th of September, 12 p.m. at the Roma Sayards. Rod Benny, appreciate your time. Thanks so much for being with us this morning. Thanks very much, mate. Good on you. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Back to rural Queensland today. Uh, Ag Force President is Georgie Somerset. She joins us this morning um, on rural Queensland today. Georgie, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Morning, Ben. Great to be here. Uh, let's talk firstly, Eka, your thoughts off the back of it. I know it's a, you've had a week to now sit back and, and, and overview. I know you were there. It, it obviously mm. got underway. It was, a, it was a great showpiece. Some things, obviously, the connection with obviously regional from the bush to the city is so paramount. Um, were you happy with where we started with it? Oh, look, I think it was it was great to be back. And probably, the, you know, what I did notice is a lot of us didn't have the muscle memory of, where is that? And yeah. and just trying to find things again. Um, look, Jamie Grant from out at Jimba did a great job with the Ag Industries Pavilion and we'll do some more things for next year. We've got some great ideas talking amongst ourselves. But it was just terrific to be back there actually sharing the story. So I did a couple of days on the Ag Force stand and just to explain to kids, oh, you had wheat fix. Well, come and have a feel of the wheat. You know, oh, you don't want sugar, do you? Here's a bit of sugar cane. And letting them feel a fleece and explain that we cut the sheep's fleece each year just like we cut their hair and the, the table that got the most interest for me was all the products that come from cattle that aren't meat. So we had really good conversations about chalk and crayons and fabric softener and makeup and books, you know, things that people don't even think about that all have products that come from an animal but also that we're really respectful, we use the whole animal. And and so it just opens that door to have a lot of conversations with young people Plenty went home with every family needs the farmer stickers, but also talking to um, talked to quite a few high schoolers who were keen for us to come to their school, or parents who wanted us to go out to their school and talk to their kids. So yeah. I just love that connection, and th- there is no other city I think that that owns its royal show like Brisbane owns the Ecker, and Brisbane people really wanted to be at the Ecker as well, and and the Ecker have done a great job. The RNA Council have done a great job of making it about country coming to the city. Yeah, and that's been the big thing that we've seen um, and they really have done an, a phenomenal job and that's it. That's the that's the thing that everybody's happy with. Georgie, I've got to ask you on a question without notice. Anne Lay earlier on this morning um, is talking about some legislation being done from the Queensland Environment Department where it's being open for stakeholders to look at it but they have to sign a confidentiality agreement. Um now, I know this is early days in this. Uh, are you even aware of something of this sort? Yeah, so AgForce has signed a confidentiality and we got um, allowance for it to go to our committee. It's actually adding a section in, Ben. Normally, we would get to do comment on this when it comes out to public comment. And what they've given us an opportunity to do, and we actually think that, that we're having an opportunity to influence, we really hope we will, we'll know when it comes out for public comment and goes through the normal process, is that we've actually been able to influence before it gets fi- f- formed up. Yeah. And look, I know it sounds really complicated. It's it just kind of allowed us to, to get in there and have a conversation before it becomes formed. And often what happens is it comes out for public comment and then we're, we're sort of in rear guard action. You're chasing your tail. That's yeah, right. I understand that. And, and look, I just want them to also understand, you know, that there's a lot of things in the reef regulations already which covers, you know, a significant part of Queensland. So 
some of the things that people are talking about are already in those reef regulations that we fought really hard around. So this is an opportunity and we have been working closely with our committee and uh, on this piece um, within the framework that we were given around that confidentiality. It, it's Look, it's, it, we have to work with what we've given and so we are making the most of every opportunity we have to influence legislation and regulation that will impact our members. I, I, I'm concerned though that that it has to be at this point from a confidentiality perspective. That's that that's the concern that I, I, and we've had a few emails about it last week and late yeah. talked about it this morning. I understand you're trying to make the, the the best of a bad situation, but it is concerning that they are an employee has so much weight that what if it, if if there wasn't something that was going to cause catastrophic, you know, outcry, why make it so confidential? That, yeah, look, I can't, I can't answer why they're making it confidential, but I, I guess for us it's one step further than what we've been able to achieve in the last few years in that we are, are being allowed. Now, the only thing I guess is that I would hope that um, those who are, are not as keen on, on agriculture are also bound by some confidentiality as well. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure of that. You know, tonight, and I can't talk to the confidentiality bit what we are trying to work with is what we've got. And uh, as I say, in the in the last few, if I look at things like the Lake Air Basin, those sorts of things, we didn't see it before it came out for public comment. All we got to be part of was the public consultation. Um, and I think it's, look, look, I think it's a, you know, it's a challenge that we absolutely have to keep. And that's Anne Lay's job, I think, as opposition to be asking those questions. Why is this about confidentiality? Um our job at AgForce is to try and influence as much as we can the actual regulations and, and um, policy that they're trying to develop. Yeah, so when will we know about it or we, we won't? I, I'm not – no, no, there will absolutely be a public consultation phase and I'm not sure of the timing of that. Um, but there will be – there still has to be a public consultation phase where it will come out for everybody in the, the way it normally does. That's very much written into how regulation and legislation is formed. Um, this is this is the first time in recent years where we've had an opportunity to have some serious input before it goes out for public comment. Unreal. We're going to look into that a little bit more. Talk to us about Bacon Fest. Obviously, it was back oh, for the first time um, in two years and such an important part for the South Burn. It, it looked like from social media, massive crowds returned. They flocked there and it was a real success. Yeah, look, I, I'm not actually sure what the – final number was, I know we were expecting well over 20,000. Saturday morning, you know, fantastic to have uh, live crosses on national TV and things. We, we had um, great coverage even Friday afternoon. In five years, Bacon Fest has just really lifted the profile of the South Burnet and the contribution it makes to the nation's pork industry. And I just love the fact that they are celebrating um, an amazing Australian product really focuses on the fact that you need to look for Australian bacon, you need to look for pork that's got the bone in it, um, and, and a lot of fun. You know, McGill and Makalinski were great, but just all the, the stands and the themes they had and um, the different ways they're doing it. And then the smoker competition yesterday, those smokers, I don't know if you've been to one of those yeah, smoker competitions, but they are extraordinary. They, they look like a series of amazing cars that had been pulled in on Saturday morning when I was looking around them. Um, but that's, you know, and it's a lot of fun. I think what really struck me on Saturday was people were just having fun and really celebrating our pork industry. And that 
look, we, we supply the grain to that pork industry. So here at AgForce, we're, we're really keen on that pork industry as well. Murray um, Harley, uh, Murray Harley, Margot Andre being there was obviously a, a huge part of it as well. Yeah, look, terrific to have Margot come up from Australian Pork Limited and um, have those crosses across on Saturday morning. What I, I love is that we are celebrating a product that people probably don't even realise. You know, I think I think it's something like a third of Australia's um, pork comes from the North and South Burnet. So good on that committee, the Chief Baconier, Christy Broad and all their committee um, for – and having a lot of fun. You know, they, they are Baconiers and it's the – they're, they're gig pigs and they just have a lot of fun with what they're doing. And so if you haven't got to Bacon Fest, do put it in your calendar because it's, it is it is a lot of fun, but it's also deadly serious. We need to look for Australian bacon. We need to look for Australian pork. Yeah, well said. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much for being with us this morning. Thanks, Ben. Good on you. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland today. Hope you've enjoyed your Monday. We'll be back tomorrow. Ray Hadley joins you next. It's the 22nd of August. Have a great day, Queensland, and we'll see you tomorrow. Remember, when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. Till next time, it's bye for now.